So we're thankful to have Dan and Rebecca in the church and that we can support what they do, the work of hope, which is associated with the Center for Bioethic Reform, UK. UK. Someday <laughs> I'll get that title right. <laughs> and Rebecca is going to present um, the flyer that we made about supporting supporting women who are pregnant who aren't sure about keeping the baby. A lot of pressure to abort. And this is an alternative, and this is what we want to support. So Rebecca's going to make her presentation, and then we also have a special guest, Lois Cunningham, from the United States, who's also associated with CBR, who <laughs> founded it. And we'll have a little interview after Rebecca's done. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Rebecca. Praise God. <laughs> well, privileged to yeah, worship with you uh, again this morning and have a chance to, to speak uh, about hope. Um, I wonder if you know that um, over 80% of the 500 abortions that take place in just in our country every day are now medical abortions. That's pills by post that uh, a woman would contact an abortion provider, perhaps have half an hour conversation on the phone and then be sent these pills in the post. Perhaps someone's pressuring her to do that. Uh, perhaps somebody else orders them and drops them in someone's drink, or whatever, whatever the terrible circumstances are. Um, this is the reality now in our, our country at the moment. And I've heard, I've heard young people um, in church actually say, um, yeah, they're talking about it as if it is taking paracetamol on that kind of level, and these are really strong drugs. Um, and... Uh, that's exactly what the abortion industry wants. They want us to think this is something really easy uh, um, that can be done at home, not a big deal. Well, many churches aren't talking about abortion, and that leads to lots of problems. One um, is that women who've been through abortion don't get to hear the full grace of God repeated again and again. Um, but also, we can be very unclear if someone says, what do you think about abortion? We could be very unclear biblically. And then we can be very uh, <laughs> thrown practically if someone says, help, I need an abortion. And so I'm not going to make the case for life today. We did that a few months ago, and I hope that was helpful, and it will be on YouTube um, if you didn't hear that. But today, yeah, as Rob said, we're going to unpack the leaflet that he helped me, kindly helped me design um, and think about, ultimately with our eyes on Jesus through all this, um, what does it look like to show the compassion of Christ in this situation? So how to talk with someone considering an abortion. Actually, I'll give the leaflets in a minute, but the cover actually sums the answer up. Kindness and truth. Kindness, show that you care. Truth, show her who's there. And also on the cover, there's a scripture uh, of the Lord coming full of kindness and truth. That's for all of us, the, the grace that we all need. Um, so I wonder, what, what would you say if um, someone came to you? Here's three uh, women. Uh, perhaps the first comes to you and says this. Um, 
Uh, it's not just, it's just not the right time. Um, how can we help her? What would you say to her? Here is another, uh, sorry, another typical um, response. I can't afford this. How can we help her? What would you say to her? Perhaps a, a woman, an older woman in her 40s, even at church, confides in you that um, she's got her teenagers already, she can't deal with this. Um, how can we help her? What would we say to her? So I wonder, what would, you, what would you say to her? Perhaps you've been in that situation and the Lord's helped you, or perhaps like me, you've been in that situation, you've been quite thrown not knowing what to say. Well, we don't want to come with our own ideas as believers, do we? We have to come with the compassion of Christ. And so I hope this little leaflet and this presentation just helps us consider. There's not one way of prescribing exactly, but just to be thinking, what are the principles coming in the the kindness uh, and truth um, of Christ? So if you remember anything from this presentation, just hold on to thinking of Jesus. Think of these two words, kindness and truth. And I hope it gives you some ideas um, to go away with. Um, first, I'll just um, say a brief word about hope. I think you know a little bit about hope pregnancy, but we're, yeah, we're seeking to offer that support in challenging pregnancy situations. Our main focus is trying to help churches to uh, equip them to be able to help women. So I hope that this little presentation, which is quite a new one, um, it will be something that different churches can take and would help a lot of people just think through the basics. How do I help someone in that situation? Um, we're also offering online support and we're seeking to get a Hope Centre established uh, in a church. Um, our two distinctives are that we want to be intentionally evangelistic. So the gospel hope, the name hope isn't just a nice name. We want to bring the hope of Jesus that we all need right into the heart of what we're doing. And we're seeking to work through local churches because that's where people can be really helped rather than be, uh, offer help parachurch. Um, you're probably familiar with um, hearing a bit about CBIK, as Rob mentioned. And so hope is just one response to abortion. The main focus of CBIUK is that we are helping educate society on the, the humanity of the unborn child and the reality of abortion. And Hope is one project that is responding practically um, in terms of actually in, uh, helping women in that situation. So our mission with Hope is... Uh, yeah, to help the church really for the saving of lives physically and spiritually. So to work with the local church to reach the lost for Christ and to save the life of the unborn child through the sharing of the gospel with those in an unplanned um, pregnancy. So many of us may wish that we had that friend at a time when we needed someone like that. Uh, many, may, may, many of us may wish we were that friend uh, at a point. I can look back on a friend that I was with and I was not clear enough signpost to Jesus or a clear enough voice for her unborn baby. And so this presentation is in no way intended to come against anyone. Um, it's all, we're all standing uh, in the grace of Christ together, aren't we? Just seeking to help each other at different points in our lives to grow again. <laughs> What's it look like to follow Jesus um, living this life? And we know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amen. So I've probably mentioned PACE before, post-abortion support for everyone. There's some leaflets at the back of the church here. But yeah, I just encourage you, if, um, if you feel like 
I've met women who felt that they would be the only woman in church that's had an abortion, and that's never true. And many women that have kept that locked in for years and never really felt, even with a friend in church, they could sort of privately confide in someone and pray together. So I would just encourage you not to listen to the enemy's lies, but um, listen to the word of, of God and his his love for you. So Pauline herself went through an abortion, took her to really dark places in a mental health hospital but there she found Jesus and so she's passionate to see that hope extended to other women and men as well in fact if you go on my um, hope website and this is not for every woman who's been through abortion to do but a number of women who've been through that really want to be that voice of hope so women of hope to others so these women have been through Pauline's course just some of the women that have and on the Hope website, there's a bit of testimony of their own story and wanting to say to women before they're, you know, before they have an abortion, like, don't have one, but to be a voice of hope to those women who come to the website. So praise God for all of us, whatever our story, whatever our sin, that he brings light to that darkest place and he uses that in our lives to bring hope, not to ourselves, just that, but to others as well. So, yeah, it, uh, you've probably heard me say before, but this, they, those women have really helped shape how do, how do I set up this project, Hope, founded on, primarily on scripture, but really listening to the voices of women who have been there. Um, I've got a short clip. Um, we're going to, um, just to capture the scale of the issue, some of you will have heard this before because I played it before, but it's probably worth playing again. Um, just with thinking primarily today about one woman who we're with, but let's just zoom out to remember the scale of the issue that we're talking about. So we've now reached 10 million abortions in our nation since 1967, 10 million. And um, for many of us, that's just hard to comprehend. What is that? Uh, that's, that's off the scale. But this audio, just an audio clip, just gives us um, an idea. Try again. So he said each ball bearing represents 1,000 lives lost. Okay. We can skip it if it's...
Where is it coming out? <laughs> Maybe, should I take this out here? If I take that out, will it? No. no. It's There's been quite a few tech issues this morning. <laughs> Not always a surprise. Next, I can perhaps go back, but the next slide is just a reminder as we try and think of the scale of abortion that uh, each, each one of these is a real human life, and, and we can get that principle from scripture. Job, in suffering, calls out to the Lord, his creator, saying, Your, your hand shaped uh, and made me remember that you made me like clay. And he's talking about himself, his life back in the womb, using that language descriptive of Genesis 1, but of his life being created and shaped in the womb. that same person that he was then was that same person yeah in the womb and that is for all of us isn't it the lord created us each individually personally um there's no one life to to whom that does not apply um so it's just good to remember that principles we think about the scale of things shall i try that once more or if it doesn't work we'll move on (laughs) No. Okay, we'll skip. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the audio captures that it gives very um, significant, um, yeah, stats from the war and different things of lives lost. But uh, the stats for abortion of 10 million just outdo that completely. Um, so, 10 million abortions in since 1967. How have we got to that in our, our country? of those abortions would be where the mum is healthy, the baby is healthy. Um, It wasn't a a situation of of rape or uh, incest. Um, And the majority then of these pills, as I said, are are coming at at home. How have we got to this? Well, there's many reasons. One is that as the church, we haven't spoken or taught on this, but um, as the church in this country... But there's this sort of mantra which is basically saying that it's not a baby unless you want it to be a baby. So if you're happy to be pregnant, everyone will celebrate that. But if not, um, we don't need to call it a baby. So there's a quote you may have heard. Um, it's not a baby and when you've got a choice was on a TV program just this year. And we know that for every, every genocide, every attack on human beings that depersons person, de people, it begins with a dangerous philosophy, doesn't it? And this is part of what has shaped um, our country on abortion. So here the, there was this program earlier this year, and this spokeswoman, um, it's not a baby when you've got a choice, it's a pregnancy. It's an unplanned pregnancy, it's an unintended pregnancy, or it's an unwanted pregnancy. And she's a spokesperson there from the BACP, which is the British Association of Counselling and Psychotherapy, who um, yeah, seek to regulate what is good care for women seeking abortion. Well, we're not surprised by the world. That's not really shocking to us. That's how the world is. 
But what um, it's just yeah another classic example that happens through history of dehumanizing people so we can get rid of them. But um, it's not a baby uh, when you've got a choice. It's actually pretty much close to what I've heard many Christians say in this country who are seeking to help women who are pregnant in perhaps very difficult circumstances. Um, I went to visit one. They said, it's, it's not my job to help her think of it as a baby. So this is a Christian inside a church building. Um, others will say we only use the word baby um, if she does. So we won't initiate that. And many other things like that. And many Christian organizations will affiliate to this BACP for their code of ethics. So even if in their heart they're praying for that baby to be saved, they're praying for the mother to protect her baby um, their mouth is gagged and their hands are tied from being a clear voice. Um, but we can't be that, can we? We can't, can't give that impression. We can't, can't say, we can't pretend there's a baby only if she wants, if, yeah, pretend there's not a baby if she doesn't want there, there to be a baby there. Um, and as Christians, we're called to speak the truth, kindness and truth go together in the life of Christ and that is how we uh, have received grace ourselves and how we want to hold it out to others. It should be sort of bread and butter Christianity, shouldn't it, um, to us. Um, we think of the example, so many examples of Jesus. We think of the woman um, in John 4 um, that was brought in adultery and Jesus, uh, no, yeah, John 8, that was, wasn't it? And then John 4, the woman at the well um, he knew all, all about her. He showed kindness and truth to her and, and revealed himself to be the one who offers living water. And she went out and told everyone, come and meet the man who knows everything I ever did. But she was overjoyed by the grace that she was extended, the living water that she'd been given. So Jesus was so direct, he went right to the heart where we think, oh, I can't be, <laughs> he put his finger right on the issue for her, um, about her her life with these five different husbands. But um but that's where he wanted to offer her grace, wasn't it? Um, this is true compassion. So kindness and truth, kindness and truth uh, go alongside each other. Um, we can't, yeah, we're not being kind if we're not bringing the truth. So that was my just little introduction to the leaflet, which um, I think, yeah, well now some of you will have seen this already, but essentially I'm just going to talk you through it so you're um, familiar with it, and I hope it might um, help you to feel, uh, yeah, mobilized to think that you could use this in, in some way. Essentially, it's a leaflet I wish that I had years ago when I mentioned about a friend who I, I failed to really be a clear voice for her baby or to direct her to true hope clearly enough. Even though in my heart I was really pro-life, I was just a bit thrown. Um, so I hope this is helpful to you. Um, so we know the key is prayer in all things. Um, we trust that Jesus, whoever has come to you in this situation, that Jesus is right there. He's brought her to you and that he will lead the, the conversation. So we can pray, Lord, how do you want me to bring kindness and truth to this person in this in her particular situation? There's no neat formula. How do, I, how do you want me to bring that to her? So just emphasize that to you. I hope some of the content is helpful, but ultimately we want to rely on the Lord, don't we, and the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom in any, as in any possible conversation. 
Um, also, just to say, you know, keep one handy if you think that you uh, that might be something that you're able to help with. But it might be five years, ten years. It might be never that someone actually comes to you and says that. But I would say, can you use this proactively? If we consider that we're at 10 million um, in this country, that we essentially this is a genocide of unwanted, unborn children. Can we have to be proactive in all kinds of ways? And this could be one way. Um, could this be something um, that you? engage um, youth on or you know a particular friend helps think through the issue is this something that um, you can use to start a conversation before someone is in a in a panic in a crisis situation so yeah a reminder to pray there I said no script or formula but what is the Lord doing in this conversation so kindness show how you care and I've got there show compassion for mother and baby and that maybe sound fairly obvious but actually, perhaps as I've hinted already, um, the focus in this country often from Christians doing this kind of work is to show compassion all for the mother, but not hide an expression of compassion for the baby. But I would just encourage you to be really vocal with that. That is how we love the mother, you know, by being a voice for her baby. So we want to empathize, we want to listen, we want to give her space just to, if someone's really unloaded to you, then perhaps you're the only person that they've talked to. Perhaps they haven't talked to anyone else about this. So yeah, we want to listen to her. Um, I'm saying this all like the woman. Obviously, you might um, perhaps you're a guy and you have a father that comes to you. Um, same pr- principle. We can listen to them. Um, ask good questions. So, uh, help her really to think it through for herself. So we, we've got facts and information that we can share, but for her to really have really questions that she's gonna have to question perhaps how she's been shaped by our culture on this issue and that she'll go away with and reflect on later. Encourage her from uh, what so many women tell me, it's so normal to be anxious about being a mother, especially perhaps if it's the first time you're pregnant. Um, But the, the abortion industry will jump on that and hype it up to be this real anxiety, panic, crisis, quick, get it sorted, get an abortion. Perhaps all she needs to hear from you is however inadequate she's feeling that she'll be a great mum, you know. And that is what many women say to me. If one woman has said, you can do this and we're here for you, that would have made all the difference. So be clear that you stand with her, you're on her side and you want to support her. But I would just really say, be clear that you're going to be a voice for her, her baby through this. Um, say that to her, perhaps say, Perhaps no one else is being a voice for your baby. You know, perhaps you don't even feel like with all the pressures on you that you're, anyone's allowing you to be a voice for your baby. Perhaps you don't. The last thing you want is an abortion, but no one is listening to you. Well, I'm going to be that voice um, for your baby. Um, and discern where she's at. It may even be that she's just longing to hear one person say, congratulations. That's such a powerful word, isn't it? What we'd say to any other mother who's pregnant and excited you need to say, with, with sensitivity, perhaps to say congratulations, and even that might be something that she goes away with later and really becomes really precious to her. Someone congratulated her. And to end with hope, assuring her that there is help out there and that we can take this one day at a time as motherhood is <laughs> throughout, year, year by year, one day at a time. And ultimately, seeking to point to the Lord um, that whatever she feels is her greatest challenge, and we may have no answers for her situation, may be so complex, but we can say God is greater than that. And he is the ultimate help uh, that she needs, that she can call on. I've just got um, 
yeah, there's a note there to encourage fathers as well in the leaflet. Obviously, many circumstances that might just not be appropriate, but where we can, we really want to encourage fathers to step up and defend their baby. Um, of course, many men put pressure on women to have abortions, but also there are many men who feel completely silenced and that, it, that our culture says it's all the woman's choice and the father doesn't legally have any rights. So we really want to encourage fathers to defend their children. I'm just going to play a little clip if oh no we haven't got audio have we i did have a, i'll try it i've um, got a little clip because you know it's all nice to have a nice little leaflet with some ideas but um here are three women i'll just show a clip of one of them but who have been through abortion and the lord has restored them to be a little group that are voice for the voiceless to speak for women to speak for mothers and unborn children and she just sums up i feel uh, i feel what she says actually captures these strings of um empathize and courage and hope in her own words Skip it, yeah. Yeah, so she's, she's basically saying fine, comma, grand, show empathy, but really then you've got to um, encourage her as a mother. She talks about that. And then she talks about sharing the facts that when she went for her abortion, no one told her actually what was involved in uh, an abortion. So she um, is clear on just helping women to know what the reality of that involves. Um, so yeah, we're on the, so now, Joni, would you be all right to give out the leaflets? Is that okay? Thank you. Oh, you did, sorry. Oh, you got them already. Oh, okay, sorry, I didn't realise. Okay, thanks. So, um, uh, so we're on the page, um, truth <laughs> inside, kindness and truth. So show her who's there. So in all the unknowns, we want to share with her what she can no, maybe a few relevant facts. Maybe you don't want to bombard, bombard her or overload her with everything, but just a few things that are particularly um, relevant to her situation. Um, I'll give you a chance there just to look if you haven't already. So the three points about the truth, about pregnancy, abortion, um, and choice. Um, so she will be meditating on her fears about her situation, perhaps not be able to, able to think much more about that, but also the lies of our culture, particularly um, if she's, you know, grown, having grown up in a culture where abortion's been legal for over 55 years now, you know, it's just absorbed the culture on uh, um, all the lies about abortion and uh, be just part of how she's thinking for many women. So we want to be clear... Um, on those, on um, on what is not true, as well as to be clear on what is true. So, 
Um, this was an article actually from The Guardian, uh, which claimed to uh, be what a pregnancy actually looks like before 10 weeks, where they literally whitewashed the images uh, of any baby in blood, <laughs> uh, telling women that this uh, is actually what a, a pregnancy looks like before 10 weeks. Well, that's quite distressing for women that have had miscarriages, to say that that was nothing there, and also um, just very deceptive for women considering abortion. So just a clump of cells, we may be told, uh, but that is a lie. <laughs> a pregnancy is not a clump of cells. Um, you may have seen these signs. Um, they pop up if you Google anything on YouTube or whatever, NHS pop-up, abortion, uh, is a procedure to end a pregnancy. Just to make sure you know that fact, you know, when you're Googling something pro-life, uh, the NHS will help you out and tell you that an abortion is a procedure to end pregnancy. Um, well, that's uh, misinformation, not accurate. <laughs> uh, we'll see the truth. Abortion does not end a pregnancy, ends a life. And um, also uh, this... Yeah, offering abortion as something trivial or as, as healthcare. So Professor Leslie uh, Regan was um, with the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists back in 2017, was really campaigning to uh, decriminalise abortion fully to full term, so no restrictions, abortion for any or no reason. And she was wanting abortion to be available as easily as any kind of minor op, like uh, removing a bunion. But we'll see that abortion... <laughs> It's not trivial, it's not healthcare. I do have another clip here, but I will skip that. But that's uh, another lady from Voice for the Voiceless um, speaking about her experience uh, having an abortion at 20 weeks. No one told her the fact she was young, but no one really informed her. And she, woke, she came around from it saying, what have you done? Uh, what's happened to the body of my baby was her question as she came round. Again, the Lord's restored her, so she's fully, and uh, she's a strong voice for other women and the unborn child. So, truth, make it clear what the truth isn't, but then be clear what it is. So, um, uh, these may feel really awkward to say, it's all right in theory, but if you're with someone, okay, so the truth um, that she's a mother already. But we can remember things that if it's the truth, then it is loving her. And we'll do that with grace and gentleness. <laughs> but to help us see that if she's pregnant, she is uh, a mother already. And actually, that may be for some women uh, quite a relief that this motherhood thing, the world will say, are you ready to become a mum? Well, if you're not ready, then have an abortion. The reality, she is a mother already. But maybe that brings some relief to some women. This motherhood thing isn't something way off that she thinks, I, I just can't be that. She is as she is today, however inadequate she's feeling. She's, she's a mother, and you, you can encourage her that she can do this. Um, to help her see the reality of abortion, that it, it takes a life, it kills her baby. Again, maybe this feels really hard to say, but maybe for some mothers it will bring relief. Perhaps she desperately wants to protect her baby, but no one's in a sense giving her permission to say that. <laughs> she needs someone to help her. And abortion is not a trivial choice or healthcare. And perhaps as we gently help her see this ideally for herself, as we share information with her, um, again, perhaps that gives her some relief um, that maybe she feels, you know, our culture puts all the pressure on the woman. This is her decision. <laughs> um, actually, that's a weight to carry, isn't it? Um, but if we help her see, is, is this actually a choice that you can make? Is it actually, you know, as we talk about the Lord, that he's created this life, is this a choice that is hers to make? You know, perhaps that, again, takes some of that pressure 
offer and bring relief as we ask her you know can whatever difficulty you're going through can it justify um the the death of your baby people are offering this to you as the solution to your difficult situation what do you think of that what do you make of that is that compassion for you or your baby so just to encourage us for um the word of god that calls us to share in whether it's the gospel itself or on issues like this we're called aren't we to speak with kindness and truth on things that may feel very difficult to cross that pain barrier and say it even to say the name of jesus can feel a barrier can't it like ouch in our culture but we're called to do that and we're called um, to be a voice for the unborn child and here's a scripture here that and we can apply to that so we have to speak the truth in love as, as followers of Jesus and our discomfort in doing that isn't a stop sign from the Lord. <laughs> Actually, we're compelled to do that by him. And we're not answerable to those who say we shouldn't do that. We're answerable, answerable to the Lord, you know, each one of us um, for, uh, yeah, before him. You know, he's the one that we give accountability to, not any authority that says that we shouldn't do this. And there are so many women that wish as I said before, one person spoke to them, but yet we've been so silenced, you know, as a national church and as Christians generally on this issue, we've been so silenced. Uh, how many women would have been so helped by one person that would have spoke with grace and truth? So certainly we're keen to share the facts, but much uh, more eager than that, we're at the heart of it, eager to show, share the gospel. Firstly, to introduce her if she doesn't have faith at all in God. We want to show that he is there, God is there, her creator, created her life, created her baby's life. And uh, just helping her to look up higher. Um, everything perhaps feels really close and pressured and she can't, like for any of us, whatever our situation is, isn't it? We can just get so caught up in what's immediate and like just need someone to help us step back um, from this situation. But also as believers, whatever it is, isn't it? We want to look up to the Lord. That's where our help comes from. And even if she's an unbeliever, if we start to talk about these things, well, what an opportunity that might be for the gospel. Um, what opportunity is God opening there that we can take? And also, um, it might just help her feel like, even if she says, I'm an atheist, it might just make her think, well, this is actually quite a serious decision, you know, even if she rejects at that point what you're saying about the Lord. Um, there's another, just a reminder of our culture and how women have um, being shaped, men too, being shaped by the lies of our culture. We need to speak the truth. So I'll go through the next bit fairly quickly, but if you turn to the back of the leaflet, helping um, to see things differently, um, perhaps, yeah, there's some examples there. Again, there's no set format, but these are just kind of to give you an idea of what it could look like. And the key thing, as we looked at earlier, is really with the language, and there's just a summary there with deceptive language in honest language. So I just encourage you to take, take a look at that and think that through. Uh, we want to be a real kind encourager to her as a mother. We want to be a real clear voice for her baby and we want to be a really clear signpost to the Lord Jesus. So just to say then, the tear-off slip at the back with the dotted line is for you to tear off and give to her. If you find yourself in that situation uh, with someone, if, if that feels appropriate, um, so much on phones now, but some, there's something tangible about having a bit of paper and maybe she might not even look at all that with you, but perhaps she'll go home and she'll reflect on it or talk, look at it with someone else um, as, you, as you do that, as you give it to her. 
So it could also help you guide the conversation. Yeah, ultimately we want to be guided by the Lord, the Holy Spirit. What's he doing in the conversation? But some basic pointers there that we've unpacked in the leaflet that's put succinctly on the tear-off slip um, for you to offer her and to help you shape the conversation. So I just, yeah, encourage information on what it is to be pregnant. Um, help, maybe ask her first, what does she think? Um, and then share some information, whether you're talking about what it is to be pregnant or what abortion is or what her choice is. What does she think? Share some information, share some scripture, share some thoughts, and ask her again, what does she think? Um, so um, there is um, another website called um, the Education Resource Fund, and they have amazing, if you do, you could direct people to the HOPE website, which has got a lot of information, but you might find it easier to direct to something which is a, a scientific website that we get a lot of our facts from but it might feel easier somehow than going to what is a clearly pro-life website so um there's a a website there erf.science which has this here is just a 15 second clip of the baby in the womb that you could share with her or there's an app that she can download um as a mother to track her her baby through pregnancy and has got lots of amazing videos of baby developing that she would never see anywhere else um i could just try and play that Many of us have no idea that the baby is so developed so early on in pregnancy. And so actually just giving her an opportunity to see that, maybe that may be all you need to do as well as sort of be there for her as a friend. Um, we, we have greater insight than any generation to see the, the life of the developing baby in the womb. And with what is abortion, you'll see there's an, an image on there. So many people would say, well, you shouldn't talk about the baby. Um, Many women would say you shouldn't talk about, you shouldn't show her the reality of the abortion, abortion that's manipulative. Well, I'd say it's manipulative to not show her the reality of abortion. She's going for an abortion. Um, it's horrible to see, but what does she think abortion is? Yeah. So if she can't look at this, then we could gently ask her, well, how do you think you might feel after, if you can't look at the pictures, how do you think you might feel after having had it, having gone through it? Um, it's too late then. But even if we get her to see that question, is abortion healthcare, is it caring? Then we, we can't determine her choice and what she does with that, but at least we've done a responsibility to give her the facts that she's informed. So many women say they were not informed. They were just kind of heard along this way without really being given proper information. And so on the back, there's what is your choice? And really, we're wanting her to see that this is just like a real decision, like any other decision. Again, it's so almost assumed in our culture. I've met so many women who've said they, d- they didn't, even women that were happy to be pregnant, they just spoke to their doctor or whoever and said, I'm pregnant. And they were like, well, what do you want to do about this? You know, it's almost just, <laughs> it, it can even be assumed or offered before women's even um, said anything. But this is a real decision with real consequences. And this is, is not what she will be helped to think through. Um, so many Christians talk about her choice as a... Um, 
I did have some slides I've skipped through, but just on women who've had abortions saying that, that seeing the reality of abortion, um, they saw it afterwards, they really wish they'd seen it before. That would have um, changed their minds. Um, oh yeah, so I skipped some slides. And this is uh, actually sharing that reality on the, the streets. It's hard for people to see, but here actually we have a life saved of a baby. Um, one of my colleagues was doing one of our educational displays in London. A woman came up to her who was pregnant, who was, had already, who was under pressure to have an abortion from someone. Um, she spoke to my friend, and that friend connected her with a local church, and they supported her practically, and she had the baby. But even after she saw that display, and my friend was walking with her, she, she booked a late-term abortion, you know, at 20 weeks pregnant. But praise God, she didn't go for that it was really a cry for help she had really you know they she had the kind of circumstances that everyone would say you need an abortion it's impossible you know but here's the little one that was born uh, december last year um so sharing the truth is part of what god uses to save lives and here's a, a slide of a woman seeing our images on social media saying keep doing this if i'd seen this i would not have had uh, an abortion. So we need to be proactive in reaching the masses. You know, Hope's trying to reach individual women, but I encourage you to get involved with CBIK and our, our displays if you want to have a part in um, educating the masses and our, our culture, reaching thousands of young people before they find themselves in that situation. Do talk to me if you want to know more about that or go to our website with Join the Movement where you can get involved. Yeah, so we were on choice. And yeah, helping her to see that this is real choice with real consequences. Um, it may be presented as a roundabout, often by Christians, you know, choose whatever you think is right for you, they're equal choices. But we have to help her see these are not equal choices. And actually the image there of the baby um, is actually a life-size image. And part of the reason of putting that on there is that now with these pills that I post at home, you may have heard stories where women are actually, they're told to dispose of the pregnancy remains uh, down the toilet or in their dustbin. And uh, tragically, many, yeah, this is happening. <laughs> and many women are seeing the reality of, of what that looks like. They see a tiny little baby um, that's been passed through taking the abortion pills. So we wanted to see that before, that it might, she might not. Her baby might not go through that and she might not go through that trauma, perhaps on her own at home with no one with her, perhaps never able to face, you know, living in her home peacefully again. She's, that's happened in her own bathroom. She hasn't gone to a clinic. It's happened in her own home. Um, yeah, we have to be people of kindness and truth to, uh, to help care for women and to speak for their unborn children. So, yeah, help her to see this is a real choice. Help her to see it's between life and death. It's not equal choices. And help her to see that there's hope, there's practical support. We want to encourage her that a church would uh, love to, you know, how many churches would love to get together some baby clothes or, you know, offer some practical support or do a Bible study with someone who's seeking the Lord. Um, and this is something we can do together rather than one person thinking, oh, I've got to support this person through their pregnancy. Let's do this as a church family. Uh, and we want her to see that, yeah, the ultimate hope for her is in the God of hope that we know and we can testify to. Uh, and there's just another reminder from someone, yeah, well, from Pauline who went through abortion. You know, we might think these things are too, might see this and think, I could never do this with someone. But actually there's so many women saying, why wasn't I warned? 
there's just a link to the Hope website for more information. There's on the leaflet, but you might find there's enough just on the leaflet, or you may want to try and pitch it to the exact week that she is pregnant and specific information through that or the ERF website I mentioned earlier. So I hope you've seen it's yeah gone through it fairly quickly, but I, I hope you've seen if if you're not sure how you would help in that I hope that gives you an idea that we can help. We might not have all the answers to complex circumstances, but we can uh, help her. And just an encouragement. Uh, I'll try this last audio video. Um, an encouragement um, from Laura from Voice for the Voiceless. If it feels overwhelming, all the stuff. What would I say? Where would I start? <laughs> Laura said this. If I had somebody just one person, I would have told me back then one thing just to say, it's okay, you can do this. And knowing what I know now, I know 110% that my child is away. So if one person had told her, she says also about information she now knows about abortion, but if one person had told her, she knows her child would be with her today. So, yeah, commit your conversation to the Lord. Maybe try and connect with her in a couple of days. Perhaps when she's over the shock of her situation, she may feel very differently, which is one reason why we definitely don't want to encourage women into the pills by post, that it's also quick, quick, quick. Well, actually, a few days later, she may reflect on her situation and feel completely different. So kindness and truth, and I hope ultimately you see that is the grace of God to us all that we all need. Um, we've been, yeah, all that I'm saying to you, honestly, many Christians would say, keep out, keep out the facts about her baby. Don't be a voice for a baby. Keep out the facts about abortion. Do not let her see the reality of abortion. That'd be far too traumatic for her. Don't bring your faith into this. You know, can't bring your faith into this. But all these things are actually the heart of what I believe the Lord would call us to be and to do. Um, so uh, yeah I'd encourage you if you can think about is there one person that I could pray for that I could perhaps share this leaflet with to help perhaps to help you just think through yourself on the issue of abortion generally but also to think well if I'd like to be ready if someone came to me or I'd like to be proactive with it to help a young person think it through um, before perhaps they're with friends at work or friends at college that are coming to them uh, saying help I'm pregnant or just pray for us Heavenly Father, we, we praise you so much for your grace and truth to us in our lives. We praise you that we're not defined by the mistakes that we made, but each day is a fresh start. We praise you that you call us to be people of grace and truth that you've poured out into our lives. You've given us life. Um, physically and spiritually, you've given us life. And Lord, we rejoice to see what you do in us, what the enemy would come against us to stop us from doing. But you, Lord, you give us that, that courage and freedom to be the light of the world that you call us to be. And so... We pray that in our generation, Lord, we would be a voice uh, of grace and truth in a world that is so hard and is so deceptive, Lord. We praise you that you are going to restore all things one day um, according to your word. But until that day, Lord, we long to be um, to be that light that you are, Lord, in this world, um, on this earth, for your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. As Rebecca may have said earlier, we have a guest with us today. Lois, why don't you come up here?
Now, this is Lois Cunningham, and she's one of the founders of the Center for Bioethics Reform in the United States. Now, when did you found that? Well, credit goes to the Lord first, but my husband founded it in 91, and then when we married in 95, I joined him and began, you know, co-leading. All right. Now, you are trained as a nurse, right? Correct, yes, and I actually wanted to be a nurse midwife, so it's interesting how the Lord steered me through that love of women and babies to saving them instead of delivering them. Yeah, it's a much more global approach. Now, what happened that you decided, this is what I want to be involved in? Did you always want to be involved in the pro-life uh. Well, I was a school nurse, and I'd already gotten active in the pro-life movement as a volunteer, but then a friend told me back in 1998 about a new pregnancy help center that was going to open in Los Angeles County in Glendale. And so even though I liked my job, I thought, well, I'll apply and see what happens. And the Lord just opened the doors. It was so clear that he had prepared me for that. I'd done youth ministry at my church and uh, worked with young people, So it was, and then had the nursing background. So it was a good, smooth transition. All right. So what did your work there involve? You were meeting people. Yes, the Pregnancy Help Center would provide free services to women, free pregnancy tests, peer counseling, lay counseling, not professional counseling. And we were very very open about sharing the gospel from the beginning. I'm so glad my board wanted us to be an evangelical ministry. So each month, uh, we might see 10 or 15 women come to Christ. And one of the pastors on our board said, we don't see that many come to Christ in our churches. So I saw the Pregnancy Help Center as a lighthouse, drawing in women in their time of need, and, and then we could shine the light of Christ on them and, and save the baby and help her soul be right with God. And does that also then reach the father as well? Thank you for remembering the fathers. Yes, we would welcome the boyfriends, husbands, parents to come in. We'd like to start with the woman first in the session to see if there was pressure. You know, we'd say, is anyone pressuring you to have an abortion? And then invite in that other family member, um, and that and then we could reach them and educate them. Okay. So... You know, you don't look like the kind of person who is a real fighter. And yet this is a fight, isn't it? This is spiritual warfare. One of our board members is from New Jersey, and he um, got involved in the pro-life movement not long after Greg and I were married, 28 years ago. And Reverend Childress also founded Black Genocide, a website you can look at to show the high rate of abortions among black Americans and uh, killing far more than were killed during the time of even slavery. So anyway, Pastor Childers said he encountered more spiritual warfare once his church got involved in this than in prison ministry or street evangelism. Satan hates babies made in God's image. One of my favorite verses is Revelation 4.11. You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. So even the baby conceived through terrible circumstances, God allowed 
and God has a plan. And I think as a church, we need to remember that because those are often the hard cases where Christians and even pastors will sometimes say, well, in your case, you know, maybe abortion's good, but it's never right. Okay, so how does a person get involved in this? Or because you're one person, right? So you can't do it by yourself. What do you do? Well, a key thing is prayer, asking God to direct your paths if he's put this on your heart. Um, Rebecca shared from Proverbs 24, but I'll also remind you of Proverbs 31.8, that we're to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And I can't think of any people group less able to speak than the preborn child in the womb. And, and then as you pray, God brings people. So we started out with a steering committee, and I know Rebecca has one now, and that committee can pray and put together prayer teams. Uh, one center that I helped get open in, also in Whittier, Los Angeles County, they were open within just a few months because they had a powerful prayer team, and I was blown away, but we shouldn't be surprised at what God does. So prayer's key, and then getting out and speaking, speaking up, uh, letting people know, because a lot of people are dismayed about abortion, but they don't know what to do. So if there's leadership provided through the church, through hope, people will get excited. Okay. Now, do you ever get discouraged about your work? Well, honestly, the Lord uh, shores me up. I don't really think that's a common thing I experience. Um, I know my husband as a leader, he faces more closed doors, people that won't meet with him, people that don't want to partner with us. They've got their own ministry, and they don't see how the body of Christ could come together. So it, it can be, uh, can be uh, heavy on, on his heart in particular. Mm -hmm. But um, I've walked with the Lord since I was a little child, and so I've seen him uh, provide. And the miracles that you see when you stay in ministry for years, like you've been here 20-something years. 20-something. Mm -hmm. so, right. So you're going to see more than someone who comes for two weeks and does a short little outreach. There's, there's places for that, but... When you stay in at work, you see women come back to you who've had their children, now they're teenagers. Uh, I took Rebecca to see a center in Los Angeles. They're right there surrounded by abortion clinics. And I think I shared with you the newsletter of one of those babies saved, now graduated from college, and the delight of her mother, maybe father's heart too. So it's exciting to stay in the battle. So how many lives do you think... This is touched. Any idea? Well, through the website, millions, multiple millions, and that's what helped us expand our ministry beyond the United States. We never dreamed what God would do, but um, he also brought a young man to study at Talbot Seminary uh, from Sweden, and Mats then caught the vision and started CBR Sweden. So many millions have been reached, and it's all God's glory and his, his plan, we just started and put one foot in front of the other, and we stand amazed. Okay, so this, when did this start in this country? Do you know the year, Rebecca? I know Andy and Melinda came to see us maybe 15 or so years ago. It's been a while. And that's been exciting to see um, what happens in each country is God's given us all a conscience, so the pictures work. I don't have to speak your language to show you a picture of a baby in the womb or an abortion. And God uses that. And then each culture adapts it, our strategy and our um, pictures and programs to what fits the culture. 
So we've got an affiliate even in Pakistan, and Mukrab is the director, and it's just awesome to see how he's working in that largely Muslim land. Okay, and what other countries? Canada was our second affiliate, and then Sweden and England soon after, Poland, um, Spain, some Finland, some are not as active as others. We have a, a man in Ghana we worked with, a few in the past, Kenya. So some stay active, others we're not really sure what they're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So a lot of countries. And some will just contact us from Argentina or Germany just for a short term. They want the pictures usually. Okay. So do you ever like pray over a map of the world and say, Lord, we need something here or we need something there? You ever do that? Well, that sounds like a good idea. We've kind of um, let him bring people to us, but that's a good idea to pray over maps, too. Do you have a prayer update that you send out by email or anything like that? We do. We have a weekly prayer, we call it e-blast, where you send the prayers to several hundred people and then others who pray for us regularly, and we put requests in the newsletter. Okay. But prayer is a key, isn't it? Yeah. So anybody interested here could talk to Lois afterwards and get the get on that list, right? Sure, and I'm, I'm sure with Rebecca's list too, building your prayer team. It's exciting um, just to see how God works when we step out in faith and thinking of babies saved, now they're young adults, some of them beginning in 88 for me, and, and it's just mind-boggling to, to realize that we can be his servants and that we're making a difference for eternity because God talks about generations in the Bible a lot, doesn't he? And we can preserve a generation if we save that one life. Yeah. It's pretty profound. Yeah, I mean, the potential for one life mm -hmm. goes off the scale. I and mean, you think about saving thousands and mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands and millions. Mm -hmm. Okay, what can we pray for? Well we, well, we have a new project that's going to be starting in the state of Michigan. We could pray for that. Uh, we do a lot of work on college campuses because those are the future leaders. So we could pray for that new project in Michigan. Um, and uh, sure, for encouragement for my husband and those who are in leadership and feel the battle scars yeah. but are still in the, in the fight. He was actually in, in the Air Force, a colonel, so he knows what it is to fight. But... This is yeah. spiritual warfare. I was reading some yeah. of the uh, things that he's written, and he talks about when the pictures are shown publicly that there are fights and attacks mm -hmm. and people getting angry. You can't show this stuff in public. But see, that's the point. <laughs> it is so horrific, you can't hide it. It has to come out. This is the truth. So there is that kind of open aggression when the truth is actually revealed. So, And that shows us we're doing the right thing, right? You read what happened to Paul, the unbelievable beatings and persecution because he was doing the will of the Lord. Yeah. So we have to be willing to accept the persecution, and it's not going to usually be anything like Paul under, underwent, but it'll be maybe... Friends or family think you're weird or you're, you, know, you lose a job or something. But that's pretty minor. Okay. You know, I was talking to a friend who's uh, reaching out to East London. 
And he says, ever since I started doing this, my life has been blessed in every way. Mm. Just to realize that I'm in the game. Mm. And I'm doing something from God, for God, and my understanding has grown. My grasp of the Bible has grown. My fruitfulness has grown. Is that your experience? Have you experienced that doing this work? Yes, and, and just to also be an example to others and provide leadership because so many people, as I said, don't know what to do. They feel helpless. And so that would be another prayer request for more helpers for Rebecca and Hope Center yeah. that um, people would realize even if, like the woman in that testimony, one person spoke up. You know people Rebecca doesn't know. You can reach people uh, that CBR UK can't. So it is, it is wonderful to be part of a big picture. Yeah. Well, why don't we take a minute and pray? Shall we do that? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're involved in saving lives. And this is a direct result of Jesus coming into the world to be a light in the darkness and to save those who are headed for death. And we thank you that we can be a part of that, that we can make a practical difference. We want to pray for Lois that you'd bless her work as she leads different uh, clinics and oversees the starting of movements in countries. All the lives that will touch, we pray that you will touch many, many lives. And we pray for Rebecca, that you'd bless her and Dan as they start a work in this country not very well understood, opposed even by people in the church. And we pray, Lord, that you would establish this. This would be a work that you plant. And we pray you'd raise up people to work alongside and to serve you by serving in this group. And we pray, Lord, that you would show each one of us where we fit into that. We pray that you would raise up people to pray and just to seek you to do a great work. So we commit the work of CBR and hope into your hand. Bless greatly, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay.